Hello and welcome to the Curious Life podcast. My name is Yana Firestone. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to this beautiful community of listeners. I love connecting with you online. So if you haven't already, come and find me on socials, mostly Insta, at the Curious Life podcast and at my new podcast, The Days That Follow. In case you missed it, we launched The Days That Follow, a grief recovery podcast, just a few months ago. And it's been such a meaningful experience so far. I've had the privilege of sharing the space with incredibly brave and resilient people who have so much wisdom and experience to learn from. We dive deep into what happens in the days, the months, and the years after the worst thing happens. They're uplifting, moving, and relatable stories of hope and inspiration. And I know you'll love it. The Days That Follow can be found wherever you get your pods. And don't forget, you can find my book, Embracing Change, through Booktopia, the link in my Instagram bio, or at your local bookshop. Now, if you've listened to this whole intro, then thank you. If you've skipped ahead to this point, I totally get that too. But coming up next is a brilliant new episode that I know you're going to love. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on socials or in a rating or review of course. Okay, enough admin. Here's Julie with today's episode. Spanky Jackson, the current reigning queen of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, explores both her time on Drag Race as well as her experience growing up in regional New Zealand as an openly queer teenager. Spanky is known for her naughty but nice humour, powerful live vocals, zestful personality and her heart always guiding her. You're in for another riveting chat on this episode of the Curious Life podcast. And in just a moment, Yana will introduce you to the sensational Spanky. I would love to introduce to everybody listening the current reigning champion of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under Season 2 and you will continue to be the reigning queen until the end of this season that's airing at the moment. So welcome to the show, Spanky Jackson. Thank you. Thank you, Yana. Oh, my God. How amazing that we get to do this together. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. I'm more excited. I was one of those huge fans watching your season. I mean, fell in love with you from the first episode and was just rooting for you all the way. So I'm oh, so thank thrilled. You. That's so kind. Thank you so much. I'm just glad I could do it and participated and was it's part of my legacy and part of my life now. So it's it, it's amazing. But what a legacy. I mean, it felt like you were yourself the whole way through. You didn't seem like you were putting on any airs. It was like we were seeing a real person all the way through. Is that is that how oh, it felt? Oh, no, 100%. Like, that's me. I think the thing is, is that, like, you're very aware of where you are as well. You know what I mean? You're on TV. But not only that, it's like I just went in with, that, with the, like, the mindset of I just want to come in here, have a good time, put myself to the challenges, See if I do well. If I don't, I don't. You know what I mean? And I think that that was what really carried me to the end. I didn't crack until probably the last two episodes is when I started to, like, crack and mentally because I was fine up until that point. But when you get so close to the end and you know that it counts, that that's when it started to affect me. So it wasn't a dream run, but <laughs> it kind of was. I won, but I won. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, those last few episodes, I mean, it could have gone to, like, the three oh, anyway. of you. No, you, you three were 
really so strong and not just strong in performance and how you looked and how you, but how you carried yourselves and being beautiful people on the inside. It wasn't like sniping and trying to no. stab each other to the top. No. You know? The thing was, it's like I and, I, and I feel like the girls, you know, Hannah and Queen have the same mindset as well. It's like, you can be competitive, but you don't have to be a prick about it. So it's like, we, we still helped each other. Those girls helped me as much as I helped them. You know, Queen talks about me helping her getting through the time, but it's like, actually, we all helped each other, you know, get to the end. It is a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's until you've experienced it, you don't know what it's like but the thing was I was lucky enough I think to be in the top three with two incredible people and that's why we're still friends today you know we've become bonded so yeah. it's for life because of this experience but if they were assholes I don't think we'd be sitting here you know what I mean yeah yeah <laughs> 100% and you know we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording and one of the things that I loved about you was that straight away you took a really nurturing role with some of the more vulnerable people on the show and the talk that you had with Yuri in that beginning about his family and always having a seat at your table was just so mm. moving, you know, and just so beautiful to see. Well, the thing is, is like, I think before when I went on the show, I was working in childcare and I had been running in childcare for the last eight years. Mm. So I think I, I wouldn't say that I've always been empathetic. I'm that one friend that if you ask the question, I'm going to give the answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you're with kids, it changes and you have to help encourage kids and you have to kind of guide kids so mm-hmm. that was something that I learned in that time with dealing with lots of kids and, and managing you know a high number of kids all kids have different problems all kids have different needs you know and I meant every word of what I said to Yuri the thing is Yuri's so super talented and in, in so many fields it's just ridiculous and the last thing you want is like that one thing could be the downfall of somebody's future mm-hmm. because it affects them so much but if you can help them try and let that go just a little bit and just know that they're a little bit more confident or can feel a little bit more comfortable then imagine what they can achieve yeah I didn't say it because I wanted to like have a moment about it or anything do you know what I mean I meant yeah. to you know yeah. come, for dinner, come for Christmas you know and I think we should do a lot more of that in life to be fair instead of just fucking judging everywhere you know yeah. say what you're gonna say and help people along yeah but you were in a competition setting and I don't know that everyone else would have had the same response and your attitude about kind of what is that saying like a rising tide lifts all boats or something like that there are a lot of people that wouldn't have wanted somebody else to be their best and to bring out the best in them yeah and I, I, I completely agree with you. The thing is, is we only see so much of what is edited and what we see on the television. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is that the season two girls were actually a really incredible group of girls. Yep, yeah. we had our dramas. Yep, people had issues. But when you talk about Hard love, you know, as we talk in New Zealand, Aroha being love, is that... There was an immense amount of love that season. And even to this day, through all of the girls, we're still very connected. And just because you got to see that moment doesn't mean that there weren't lots of those moments of people helping people. I mean, they helped me when I blocked the toilet and I couldn't get it to flush. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> this stuff happens, but we just don't get to see it all. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, the other thing I really liked about your season was the way that you in particular were talking about having respect for the people that have come before us in life and particularly for these Uh young 
performers who are coming through and thinking like it's all about me and you're like well hang on a minute like if all of these if Minnie Cooper hadn't walked the path that she had walked so many decades before you you wouldn't be here no a hundred percent and drag race has done so much great for us you know it's made drag a legitimate mainstream career lots of girls are doing stuff but the reality is, is before the show happened there were lots of moments of this you you've got like Lacage and then you've got late girls in Australia and all sorts of thing so it's always kind of been a theme through life but the the bad thing is that I like to refer to it as we're kind of losing a part of drag culture which is I started in a time Minnie's time where you had drag mothers and very similar or reminiscent of that at the Vogue houses of like New York and they're your family they're your chosen family they will accommodate you they'll look after you they'll teach you the art of drag they'll help you do shows they do you know it was something that was kind of passed down you didn't just start being a drag queen you know I used to carry my drag mum's bags for at least three months before I was allowed to put on a dress wow and you know you would go and organize the cd and get her costumes out and you would do this and then you would do that and you know what I mean you Mm. earned it you earned it yeah and so with drag race while it's the exposure has been fantastic there is like I do feel like there's an element of everybody wants to be a drag queen now which is fucking great I I'm not poo-pooing that but I think that we're losing the, as we like to say in New Zealand, again, co-papa, which is like the story. We're losing a part of that journey to becoming a drag queen. And this is where you do get the young ones. Because I was a young drag queen too. Do you know what I mean? When I put on my first dress, I was I was at and bit and a tit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could have told me anything. I was better than anybody. Yeah. But I also got humbled along the way and learned from these very people who are in my drag family today a lot of hard lessons. And we're losing a little bit of that. And I guess and I think- that's why we're getting the young attitude is because yeah. there is this perception that drag queens are bitchy and and, and they are. But it's also done in a way that is done in jest. And when you're Mm. young, you haven't learnt quite the art of being shady, if you will. And sometimes it can come off as insulting. So, and that's them thinking that they're being funny. But it's a skill you learn, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point because a lot of those young ones come off as they're very abrasive and entitled and, and yeah, bitchy in not in a funny way instead of it being like an insightful read on somebody yeah. you know where it's clever and witty it's, it's just yeah. mean so, and the thing yeah. is just like, they're feeling their oats you know what I mean you put on that first time you put on your hair and your heels and stuff like there's nothing that can describe that feeling of freedom that I think that people who who start to participate in drag feel and that's where it comes from there's this inner confidence that they haven't felt before and it's like a flame inside of you and then it just kind of comes out your mouth and you just think great but Let's just watch our piece. I mean, I can't talk. I've got the foulest mouth of them all. <laughs> Here's me like, come on, guys. Bite yeah. your piece and yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Spanky Jackson, fuck yeah. But, yeah, I mean, right? Like, right? Like, I knew that my tagline was going to end up something like that. So, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Like, yeah. I'm super stoked that it happened. 
<laughs> totally. I love it. But I think that's such an interesting point about the culture, you know. It's like yeah. I guess with any if with anything, I, with the rise of Instagram and everything, people can just be instantly anything, you 100%. know, the star of their own show from their own yeah. bedrooms and yeah. you're right there's no putting in the dues and working your way up the ranks. I think the thing with like there's when it comes to drag, Instagram drag is is a thing and Instagram drag they are skilled very skilled makeup artists I'm not even that great you know what I mean and they do have a talent and and a skill but that doesn't translate to an audience in real life it just doesn't unfortunately so you have to actually be able to perform and entertain that's actually a skill and yes there are lots of model drag queens too so I'm not saying that that lane is completely closed because I can't do what they do it's amazing and I'm glad that they share their art with the world because we get to appreciate it but also at the same time it's like girl that doesn't mean that you just get to you know do it like you need to earn it earn a tina (laughs) I love it. Now, I want to go back to what you said before about working in a childcare for eight years. I mean, was I know that you came from New Zealand and you were living in Melbourne and you were in the scene. And then I understand your dad was unwell. And then was it in that time going back to New Zealand to be with your dad that you started the childcare work or was that earlier so I've always been really good with kids but that was when I came home was when I started with kids but I have worked at like tourist attractions for a long time so I've worked you know at the Melbourne Aquarium and and the Melbourne Museum and things like that so Mm -hmm. I've kind of always dealt with kids and groups of kids and that's kind of where I found out I actually had a skill with kids but yeah no coming back and it was just local pool and we were looking after 60 kids a day it was school holiday programs and before and after school care and it was a really multifaceted a job to be fair so it was running that obviously but also then I did council events and um, producing council events for Palmerston North City Council and for the pool and kids events and all sorts of other stuff so it was a, a massive role and yeah. yes like so, yeah 60 kids a day up to maybe 100 for school holiday program oh my god yeah like I wasn't a boring person either like <laughs> I was always pushing the envelope so I was like right we are like we're going whitewater rafting or we were going on high road courses or we went I took them on a boat trip or overnight camps or just all sorts of sort of splash planet like quite high risk activities I would say you know (laughs) and so a lot of stress involved but at the same time I really wanted to give these children an opportunity to kind of experience life and I mean in some selfish way yeah experience some things for myself too (laughs) do you know what I mean but the kids actually taught me a lot from those experiences because there's things that terrify me I don't like heights they don't like heights so if they're doing it well I I expect that I should have to give it a go same with the staff I think it's important for the kids to see that yeah we're terrified too but you can't do it so yeah um yeah I I miss it I was such a great time Mm, it wasn't always great (laughs) no look I've got three kids and I barely can cope just with the limited amount of time I have with them in and around school it's so much I cannot imagine being responsible for that many at a time it's nuts yeah, it's, it is nuts and it does come down to dynamics, you know, and it changed every, every term it would change. Some kids would leave, some would be there. School holidays was always like a wild card. You just never knew. You could get even just two kids that would just, would push the envelope with the rest and it would just, the dynamic of the whole group is yeah. just crazy. So yeah, it's high stress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they run away and then they hide and then they have chanties and fights. Yeah. 
yeah so yeah good luck to the parents out there it's nothing better <laughs> than giving them back at the end of the day i'm like here, here you go yeah. thank you thank you i Don't have come this again. filled with sherbet and we did make it ourselves you're welcome good night <laughs> thank you Honestly, that actually happened one time and the parents like wrote in the next day and complained so hard because we, and it was super strong sherbet and the kids were off the, oh, they were off the Oh my God, that's hilarious. Never again. No, no, sugar, no, we got to manage that. Oh my God. But I guess that was like the perfect kind of, rehearsal ground for you for getting into something like drag race because if you can handle 60 kids you can handle the competition I mean I had done I I won House of Drag in New Zealand which was a New Zealand um, drag show so yeah so House of Drag so that was the first series that I'd done but I have participated in like X Factor and yeah like Australian Idol and things like that as well so not that I ever I made top 100 in both of them but never kind of went anywhere but you know I kind of had had a little bit of experience and I think House of Drag really set me up to kind of understand what was going to be needed what was like Mm -hmm. how this was going to work and what it would feel like so I think I had a little bit of help there really Mm -hmm. I already had the training ground but the kids yeah as well you just you have to kind of go with the flow and things get thrown at you every day and you just kind of have to deal with it what happens off camera though like on the show like on something like Drag Race you know we see you guys in the studio and all of that is it like Big Brother where, you know, you're all in the same place or if you've got your own hotel rooms and you can be on the phone to your friends and family or are you how does it work? Oh, no, no, at all. It is um, separate rooms. You are not allowed to be in each other's rooms. Oh. It is no telephones, no cell phones. You have to, like, give out a note if you want it. You have to be, like, taken with somebody at all times. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's full on. It, it feels like you've been imprisoned. So I'll just tell a quick story. I'm going to just chuck this in there just because it came into my mind. So mm-hmm. I, I haven't been to prison. Like, I've been arrested once, but not to, like, actual prison. Anyway, I worked for P&O Cruises and I got kicked off the ship. I was just too drunk in the middle of the <laughs> ocean. I got put into, like, an individual cabin which had no windows, no lights, no nothing. So it was awful. And that was, like, that was, like what it felt like to be a prison. But, no, this wasn't – it wasn't – that bad but it (laughs) did feel very like that because your natural thing when you're going through kind of pain or trauma or you're feeling self-doubtful or any of those things is to kind of reach out and talk to your friends and family or you know just talk to that person that might just make you laugh and kind of help you get over it and you just don't have any of that so the crew and the and and the girls do become that but also it's a tv show so if you're having those conversations in your room at night time that's also not being filmed so mm. it's like that's what we're here for. So unfortunately, you know, those measures are necessary to get the best out of what right. they're paying for. But no, it's not like Big Brother and we're singing Kumbaya. I think the most <laughs> that we ever had was that we were we <laughs> had this whole floor in a hotel and we sat in the main hallway because it was the only time we could ever all be together and we ate our dinner on the floor oh. while like, people came in and out and it was the only time that we ever really had wow. family yeah wow so I mean that's massive because you guys are under so much pressure and it would be so intense and And it's the sleep too you know I think people watch it on tv I think and think that it looks all like we're on a glamorous holiday you know what I mean 
the same thing when I was like watching on TV. I was like, oh my God, I just want to go for a holiday. Like it'd be super fun. Yeah. We'll have a few brachinos. I'll yes. put pack some heels, you know, and we'll just go and have a good time. And then the reality of like getting there and it's long hours. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. Our first episode that day was fuck. I think I got up at four o'clock to be painted. I walked in at nine o'clock in the morning. We did a mini challenge. They gave us the challenge. The challenge came to us at 8.30 at night. And then we did not leave there until 5 a.m. Went home. And that was our choice. They were trying to get us to go home at 11. (laughs) I don't know if I should be saying this, but oh, well. They let us go, um, wanted us to go home at 11. And none of us were, like, going, which was the unconventional challenge. We were like, we're not going home. But the rule was if one of them wanted to go home, then we all had to go home. So we all stayed till five o'clock in the morning. That's kindness wow. again, where it's like all the girls, even the girls who were finished, stayed till 5 a.m. We went home, had three hours sleep, woke up, and then fucking painted and did it all again the next oh day. So God. there's a lot of that. There is a lot of it. Not not every night. I mean, that's just, I think that that's also a psychological game that a lot of these reality shows play. Mm-hmm. It's not just drag race. It's, it's, that's part of the psychological warfare, I suppose, mm-hmm. that, breaks people a little bit where you're tired you're exhausted you're hungry you're frustrated your adrenaline's pumping you know what I mean it's everything it's it's everything at once and that's why when you come back from filming shows like that you just feel so exhausted Mm. it takes weeks weeks to And to come down from all that adrenaline as well, like you had been on fumes of of sleep and just pumping the adrenaline, having to perform and be on all the time, and then the come down would be massive. Oh, it was like, I think I passed out for three days. I was just out to it. I think I ordered McDonald's when I got home, you know, like a good (laughs) drag queen. And then I ordered KFC the next night when I woke up. Um, And then I just passed back out again. (laughs) So, yeah, it, it took a lot to kind of get from that. And the thing is that you don't think about either is you've got a camera in your face most of the day. So you become used to somebody popping out of somewhere and asking you a question and it's, bizarre but you still hear it or like when I'd wake up in the morning I would the first thing I would think was oh it's a new day work you know it's a new day in the workroom and then you keep hearing that so it's you've kind of got to detach yourself because it is reality it Mm. did happen but it's not going to happen again in real life for you know six seven months while they edit it so you do it's but it's bizarre it's a bizarre feeling and then you kind of get over it so mm. and then it, and then it happens and then you're like fuck like I was getting relaxed I was getting fat <laughs> <laughs> I was eating some cookies <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it is and you gotta like and oh great it all again <laughs> yeah back to the salad <laughs> actually I popped into a live you were doing the other day and someone asked you if you like KFC <laughs> oh, like, it's like it's the food of the motherland it really is <laughs> you ask any drag queen at all what is the meal du jour and we all say KFC and I don't know if that's an Australian th- I actually think it's an American thing too but mm. Americans would be more like pushed towards like Popeyes which was yeah. great chicken. it was super good but yeah no KFC mm. is or even Red Rooter 
You know, even with Rona, like I did it one of those sub things the other time I was there and I hadn't had bread Rona in ages, but I was like, you know what? I actually quite like this. It's good. I mean, it's just deep fried chicken. Really. Yeah. I mean, cool. I think we need to work towards a sponsorship for you. Like this is, oh, you should be thanks. the spokesperson. I mean, hello. Like I could be selling chicken on the regular. Like I don't understand why KFC is not called me yet. Like Seriously. I could sell buckets of this as long as you provide me with buckets for my life. Oh my god, this is brilliant! This is I can already see. I mean, Hannah was in a KFC ad, so Hannah did, uh, and I think it came back out recently as well. So really, like, oh god! And I was like, "Did you get free KFC for a year?" And I don't think she even got that. So you know, come I mean, on, KFC. Yeah, we need we need to send them this episode. Now, I have had a question for you yeah. about the first episode and whether the slap from Rue was real or not. Well, no, it wasn't. It's a stage <laughs> slap. But some inside tea about that is that I didn't realise, but he was supposed to choose somebody else. And he ended up changing his mind and choosing me, which we I learned about in the Tic Tac chat. So that was very interesting as well. Like who knew that that was what was going to happen. And honestly, that moment was, I could have died happily after that because I was like, what a great way to start this whole journey. And that's such an iconic thing to get slapped by RuPaul as well. I very was like, funny. I am milking this in my flat hair and everything. Like, <laughs> and that, what non-existent dress. I mean. <laughs> the shirt. Gone. I love it. You know, you knew who you were and what you were going to be and how you wanted to present and it was brilliant and I think that was what was so lovable about you you know like trying to be like the same look as everybody else like you were just like this is me this is who I am my bum's always out and it so is and that's that's exactly what I yep there was definitely some growth and I worked harder through the season to get to a different level and I knew that those were going to be my critiques so I was prepared for that but I also wanted to walk into that room giving people who already knew me exactly what they expected which was fucking no pants and just flat hair flinging her fan and trying to look glamorous but not and that's exactly why I gave you what I gave you was because I wanted to give the people that already knew me exactly the spanky that they know and love. Well, it completely endeared the audience to you immediately. <laughs> they just felt sorry for me. They were like, oh, poor girl couldn't afford any fabric, you know? <laughs> no, it was brilliant. And can you put the rumours to rest that RuPaul was actually in the room? Oh, my God. These people need to get a grip. Like, it's so common. Yes, he was was there yes he was there for season one as well and he's a a very lovely insightful professional man he's Mm. the he's very kind and yeah I was really lucky to be able to spend that time with him and Michelle and Reese, and yeah very grateful did you get to hang out with them much outside of the show I guess not during but no, yeah. no, it's not like RuPaul's coming there to braid my pubic hair, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I wish that was what was happening, um, but no. Jimbo got invited to his house for breakfast, which I was very annoyed about that I didn't get an invitation either because I could have twerked with some waffles and mm. or something. Like, it could have been fun. But no, like, 
Michelle gives us a little bit more time because we kind of do some of the recordings and things with her and she's just one of the girls she's just straight up and just no holds barred just like you see on TV and and very kind they are all very kind and Reese Reese and I have had many beverageinos together since the show so he is a fabulous comedian and fabulous person as well so yeah oh that's nice So everything sounds fabulous, right? But how do we get here? Spanky goes way back and she and Yana explore Spanky's and Blair's childhood in great detail. Fascinating. This episode of the Curious Life podcast is brought to you by the sneaky treat company Melbourne, decadent sweet treats delivered to your door. Let your friends, family or clients know that you're thinking of them with a box of goodies and a personalised note to send along with your gift. TheSneakyTreatCo.com. You know you want to. Now, going back a little bit, I'd love to know about what little Blair was like. Like, what would little Blair think about where Spanky Jackson is today in this world? Well, I think that's such a crazy question to ask is because, like, I'm writing my show at the moment, so I've been kind of going back, just the tip, coming to Sydney and Melbourne, just chucking that in there. And I've kind of been going back through time in my mind about like where I was and all of that kind of stuff, the stuff that you forget and don't really think about quite often. But being here, like I'm back at my parents' house because I'm just traveling so much. So I'm back in the house I grew up in. I'm back in the tiny little rural town that I escaped. Yeah, I think I was always that kid. Like, I've always been this person who didn't give a fuck. It's not my problem. It's your problem. I have never second-guessed anything in life, and neither as a kid. I was doing, you know, my first drag show was in front of my whole high school, at the rural high school at 14. My, I went to intermediate for a book day in a dress. I was stealing my dad's business shirts and tying one around the front one around the back and being the tooth fairy and then (laughs) I was you know at at primary school and then I would dump them three doors down thinking that nobody would find them but like hello dad would go to the supermarket and be like why are my shirts on the side of the street (laughs) taking pieces of fabric and wrapping them around me or jumping my mum's clog but also like I danced and kids at this time boys dancing was not a thing that was done it just wasn't I think there were two men older men in dance school that I was at and that was it the rest were girls so I was already called faggot and homo all the way through primary school anyway because I didn't play rugby I was a good sports player you know I did hockey athletics basketball swimming I was swim champ but because I didn't play rugby and I danced I and okay yeah let's be fair I was a flamer. You know what I mean? Like, I was flaming. So, and I had that attitude as well, where I was like, fuck you, I don't even get. So I think looking back at it, it was all preparing me to come to this point. Mm. That's how I felt about actually winning Drag Race was that... I've sat on that couch and I've watched the TV show for a long time and I never knew as a kid that that's where I was going. But clearly my path was going to lead me into drag anyway. And then so I think for if anything, it was that the whole time I was right. I knew what I was doing. I was in the right place. Fuck everybody. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. And through life, everybody has those people who are like, you are a fucking dreamer. You're a dreamer. 
you've got absolutely no hope of achieving that. You've got absolutely no hope of, oh, you need to go and get a real job. Go and get a real job, get a real life, you know, start thinking about responsibilities. And there's so many of these people, and they generally come from your own family. They do, but they're also your friends. Yeah, That's the worst part is that your friends, if you've got friends around you, I'm just putting this out here, that don't believe in you, get rid of them because Mm -hmm. that is the worst thing that you could possibly do because generally people like that are pulling you down because they know that they're not capable of achieving anything like that. So they don't want you to achieve it either because it makes them look bad. Or looks yeah. worse. Dealing with that, plus all the bullying and the faggot and the everything, and like I just grew up with that. It just became so common to me. And yeah, like this was a time before social media. So thank God I grew up in that time. To be fair, mm-hmm. because I had the freedom of being able to come home and let it go. Yeah. And unfortunately, now with social media, if I had grown up in this time and had had the same thing, would I be standing here? I don't really fucking think so because it was horrible. It was endless. I'd get invited to parties so that people could bash me up. I had a person like drive up on the footpath and try and run me over in the ute. Like oh God. all sorts, wow. all sorts of shit. Do you know what I mean? So throughout that adversity, I just always knew my destiny was meant for somewhere else. I don't think I've done either. Like, drag race is not the be all and end all to me of, like, I want to save the world. I know that sounds like a stupid statement, (laughs) but I believe that we can, and we can, like, make a difference in the world. So I'm on my way, and that little kid was right. It just breaks my heart. You know, I work, I'm a therapist in my other job, and I work with kids and young people, and I'm seeing so much of this stuff at the moment. it's so bad at the moment and like to hear these messages it just it really just touches me because I see these little people that are barely kind of getting through each day Mm. and I know that on the other side of this there's going to be something wonderful for them but they don't know that and no they can't feel that yet and to know that you went through that and have done all of these incredible things. And as you say, you're just getting started like that. Oh, that is just, 100%. just brilliant. I just, I'll be sharing this far and wide, honestly. Oh, I love that. I mean, the thing is, is like, I think if anybody can take anything away from a lot of people like to say, oh, if Spanky Jackson could win drag race, then anybody could win drag race. Now, some people say that as a, like a backhanded compliment to me, mm-hmm. like I am trashy enough or it's my aesthetic and stuff. But what I want people to take away from it is that if you have a dream and you honestly, and it sounds so wanky, it sounds so wanky. You hear people say this all the time, but it's so true. It's like, if you want something bad enough and you put it out into the universe and your heart and your soul is that's what you're supposed to do. Like, that's all I could think about was winning that fucking crown. Like, I was like, I'm going to fucking do this. And this is for little Blair. It's not for anybody else. It's for me to know you know what, bitch, fucking you were, you were on the money. Yeah. Every kid and every, and, and it's not too late for adults as well. Like that's the other thing, you know, here I am. I nearly gave up at 30. I nearly gave up and here I was at 37 and that's when everything changed. So adversity in life creates character mm-hmm. and character gets you further. And it, like my parents used to say to me, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Mm. So if you really want it, it's out there for you to grab. 
I love that. That's such an important message because I do think a lot of people as well think, oh, it's too late for me. And they are, they're in their 30s or their 40s and resigned with the life that they have. And life doesn't have to be like that. No, it doesn't. And it's like, I was watching something yesterday, which was talking about like the statistics of what it would look like for even single women, you know, in the next few years is that people are prioritizing careers and money over, over children. But it's also like having kids also changes your life in a way where you stop dreaming Mm. because you're forced to stop dreaming. So the skill there really is to, and what you want to pass on to your kids as well is like, keep dreaming, show them it's possible. You know what I mean? Don't give the fuck up. Like I said, if it was meant to be easy, everybody would be doing it. And it's just push on through. Yeah. Do it. Show the kids that. And, you know, your parents, I've listened to you in other interviews. Your parents sound like they have just been your biggest champions and just are incredibly supportive, wonderful people. And they obviously had good advice for you. You know, what was that like growing up with them? And would you tell them the truth about like how bad it was and what was happening? No, I didn't. Not through school. I always tried to kind of hide it from mum and dad because I was so embarrassed as well. But when I came out, my parents loved me no matter what. And it was fine. I came out at 14. So I was was quite young. But as with any person who comes out, it's never easy. There's always dealing with the loss of their dreams and the visions that they've had while you grow up. And then there's also your expectations, you know, it wasn't easy, but my parents showed me throughout that whole thing, no matter what they stood by me 110%. Mm. And that was the one thing that I really had that has probably had the biggest impact on who I am today is because of them. My dad has always been a a self-believer and even though he wouldn't say that, but he has, you know, he's painted, he's sculpted, he's written professionally, he's photographed, mum's an artist, been in the theatre, you know, she's a professional businesswoman, but they also have the biggest, kindest heart. So they've always had this thing welcoming other people into our lives. Um, And I knew that they would always love me and they are absolutely 110% my biggest supporters of the world and yeah we had to grow and I think all parent children relationships grow as adults and we've never been stronger than we are today and yeah I honestly can't thank them enough I was adopted when I was two so I'm still in the same family it's my nana and granddad but they are mum and dad to me and I'm still in the same family as my birth mother as well but yeah I can't say enough good things about my parents my art my love comes from mum my humility comes from her my arts come from dad and mum and they've always encouraged me always so without that would have things have been different yeah absolutely and that's how people are a product of their environment yeah so very lucky absolutely and that does shine through in you it really does at least on the show from what I saw you can see that you've come from love oh 110% I was such a shit of a kid like I was <laughs> scowly fucking faced all the time always in the mood were we um, all though no, well, I don't know how I turned out like this in the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't even know how they put up with me to be surprised that woman. You know, no, I was a counterfeit. Yeah, but you know, they loved you in spite of all of that teenage oh, angst and just, all of that. <laughs> just, 
just evaded by the skin of my team. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that's really interesting because the dynamics always change and the relationship we have with our parents as adults is a new and, and different thing again. And Yeah, well, I think what happens is that you, in your 20s, when I moved to Melbourne and I was living in Melbourne, that made me think about a lot of the situations that we had gone through with me growing up, what a kind of kid I was, the things that I put my parents through because you were homesick. So you start analyzing and I'm an analyzer. So then I start analyzing everything and I start thinking about what I could have done differently or all of those kind of things. Where did I go wrong? And that that's where I think a lot of people get stuck as well is that you do have to self-reflect at some point. And I think you do it constantly through life or some people don't, but I think mm. you should. It's like self-reflecting on the mistakes that you have made and then you can kind of move forward. But as an adult, you grow up and then you start to see parents as not your parents. You start to see them as people. And then that's when things change because you can't look at two people as a unit and think that they're the same because they're not. Mm. So when you get older, you start to see this person's traits and these are the traits of the other parent. And you can see where this one gets annoyed with the other one. Or And then once you can understand that, it helps you. I think it helps you with life. And, and different walks of life because you start looking at people as people, not as this couple, that couple yeah. or whatever. You start looking at them. Position, like a parent, you know, like we sort of sometimes yeah. think parents are supposed to know everything, behave a certain way. They're not really, we don't always see them as flawed people fumbling no. their own way through life. They don't know any secrets that we don't That's know right. yet. Like they're yeah. just like us. They've never been old before, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and I think we have to be patient, you know, because we went through that with dad, like in his sickness and, and being unwell. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things, eh? like it's yeah. part of life and yeah. we don't know what we don't know until we know it because we haven't experienced it. So yeah. they were only trying to teach us from their examples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, particularly like I think about my gay friends and some of them have had great experiences coming out some of them haven't of course and their parents they could be lovely wonderful kind people but they are a product of the generation before them and so their fears for their child might have been that they don't want their child to go through pain and the things that you went through as a child and as a young person in that town where I want to go and crack heads for the way they treated you but there's I think the parents of uh, or the kids of this generation and the generations coming hopefully will be it'll be a completely different thing I'm I've got three boys and I'm desperate for one of them to be gay I'm like constantly on the lookout like which one of you is it gonna be please you know I need one <laughs> oh god it's it's a hard life I mean and you know from when I grew up to to where we are today things have definitely changed and progressed and and even kids have progressed and changed it's not such a big deal now and it's not you know like I had two non-binary kids as well I had one trans child and one who was non-binary and and you know the children just accepted it I mean it is what it is you can't change it and you may as well just embrace it and I think that that's really the rule rule of life if you can't change it embrace it yeah oh my god I should put that on a fucking t-shirt you definitely should hey my book's called This My should be like called a embracing change. <laughs> Embrace. <laughs> We're on a wavelength. I love it. I love it. This could be the new thing. So, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think people that have like come into, I want to say fame. Do you consider yourself famous? Because you are. No. You are. No, not really. No. Well, 
You are. I have some. I have some famous. I yeah. don't. Even, I'm not even famous. I'm gamers, and <laughs> that's like really the extent of it. Yes, do I get recognised at the shops or the airport? Yes, I do. That does okay. happen. But I don't see myself like that. I don't think I ever will see myself like that either. Like, yeah, I want to be at that level, 110. percent But I think that that's why I need to be there is because I am different from the others. Is yeah. that I am yeah. completely 110 percent like this is it warts and all like it all lump it so and I think that that's what's missing from the mainstream world I suppose to an extent extent, not just with drag queens but I mean even influencers I mean they're all fucking same they've all got the same fucking eyebrows and the same highlighter with the same bloody you know cap cut bloody template you know it's just the same it's all all cookie cutter it's like if you go to towns I don't know if you're you should identify with this which is like if you go to a town right there is one girl in that town that everybody is trying to emulate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So it's like they wear the same. Oh, I like that jeans. Oh, I'm going to go and buy those jeans. You know, yeah. it's that there's that mentality yeah. and that needs to change. That mm. just needs to change. Yeah. We're all you're different right. and that's what makes us fabulous. Yeah. You're so right. Like on one level, in the cultural kind of conversation, we are all about like embracing individuality and all of that. But then you look at what's in our feeds and every single person looks identical to the next. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So we need more individuality. We need more spanky out in the world. I think the thing is, is that with individuality, and I, I mean, I just see this from a media standpoint is that with individuality comes individual thoughts. And I think that sometimes that can be scary to bigger brands or people who are in marketing because it can be seen as a risk. But I think that that's what makes them so perfect is that if they really believe in something, they're not going to endorse it and yeah. they're going to talk about it for real. If they don't fucking like it, yeah. they're going to say that, you know, and you need to accept that. But they'd rather go with the cookie cutter. Do you know what I mean? It's all yeah. and it's a marketing game. It's a marketing game. Yeah, but it's so weird because I'm not influenced by yeah. any of those cookie cutter influences. I see yeah. that they're just making money selling whatever the publicist has sent them. Yeah. I don't want to buy it. But you know but the thing is it's it's targeting those young kids. You know, mm. it's the teenagers. They're wanting, you know, yeah. I was just fortunate enough to get enough bloody Anastasia Beverly Hills to like last me <laughs> a fucking lifetime. But you know what I mean? Like they see that yeah. product. It's a palette can be $140. Yeah. And then, of course, it's like that's all the kid ever talks about. It's like, that's what I want. And that's really what it's designed to do is to market to those kids who want. Mm. You're selling a lifestyle. You're not selling a product. You're selling a lifestyle. Sell this lifestyle. Get drunk (laughs) in the gutter. Do it. Have a ciggy on the back porch, you know, with your coffee. Keep it light. Have a cat, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just having a flashback of your tourism video. so much fun like I wanted to do so much more like I wanted to go oh there was the skate park as well was in there we were like trying to skate on the same skateboard and then like (laughs) having sex with them in the bushes but that got covered yeah so but there was so much more I wanted to do like once I just let loose as well it's one of those things you think of something first and then you're like oh but we let loose look at the craziness that happened like it was super funny and hysterical and it became a catchphrase what I mean who would have thought that totally oh my god it just looked like you were having so much fun like it really did 
Yeah. You know, it's all you can do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This could be miserable or we could try and enjoy it. So I know, but so many, like if, if when I think about even like the US series, like you can just see so many people get in their own heads and, you know, there's, people that are like born performers and people that kind of go mm. into themselves and overthink and the, the pressure of being around big personalities and other yeah. probably in their town, they're the big yeah. cheese. And then here they are in a setting where everybody's mm. amazing and it would be so intimidating. I can imagine. I mean, so every much. day, you know, every day that I got dressed and walked down that runway, I thought I was in the bottom every day. Wow. Ask Hannah and Chloe. Every day I thought I was in the bottom. Wow. So I never ever took advantage, thought that I was going to win. Mm. I always thought that I was terrible. And then I always was trying to better myself that's mm. the mindset that I have. It's like, I can do better than this. You know, yeah. let's try and be better than we did the last time. Well, that's a growth mindset. It's like, well, I can stumble and make mistakes, but I, what can I learn from it and how can I do it better next time? Well, it's the motto of life. Mm. Like, that's exactly what you do. You know, my parents always tried, and this going back to the parents, trying to tell you, you know, now, speaking from their experiences, I was that kid that was like, fuck off, grandma. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was that yeah. kid. And, and we all were. We're all that kid that sits there and goes, I know better than you. Yeah. And then you make the mistake. And then you make the mistake again. And then you get burned. And then you make the mistake one more time. And then you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't make the mistake. But yeah. that is how you learn. And yeah. the difference is, you can either choose to learn from your mistakes or you can keep making mistakes. And, you know, I'm no perfect person, but I learned that lesson. You know what yeah. I mean? I made yeah. mistakes. I'm going to learn from them now. Yeah. Yeah. That's and it cool. to everything. Yeah. But not everybody is able to be that self-reflective and want to grow. A lot of people get stuck and can't move forward and the mindset can become really negative. And it's also like, I think a productive environment, it's like, you need to live. I, I, I'm such a homemaker, you know what I mean? I'm such a Sally homemaker. Hopefully I'll find a husband at some point so that I can like be a housewife, a milf, if you want, <laughs> but, but um, your environment really plays a massive part in how you feel too. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget about that as well with their bedrooms or let the air in, let the light in, let the vibes go from the day before, let it go out the door. And if if your environment's not conducive to where you're supposed to be or it's not helping you in any way, then you need to change it. You know, it's the same thing like I said before about like if you're in prison or you're in those walls, your mentality changes because you're in that room. There's nowhere, there's no excitement, there's no change. It's the same thing. It feels like Groundhog Day. So you become... A product of that so yeah. if you look at it like hey i want to be a product of you know joy and stuff well then put yourself in a joyful environment i love that god listen to me i'm like oprah like, you are <laughs> give this lady a talk show <laughs> would you think of doing a podcast i mean you've got a lot oh. of beautiful things to say people were asking me this actually and yeah, I mean, I don't want to do a drag race podcast. Mm. Uh, you know, that happened. It's happened. We've moved on. So, yeah, I, I wanted to have my own podcast called Scat Chat with Spanky, which is like, <laughs> and it's, not a, it's just like talking the shit. Okay. But, yeah, so I'm still ironing that out. I'm just <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my God, I love it. I'm just seeing you like pitching that to the networks, you know. (laughs) Can you imagine? They're like all of the beauty walks that I'm like, hey guys, I mean, the like the mascot's like a tiny poo that like walks around. You know what I mean? You see it all. It's already done. Now that people will want it, it. they'll be like, can you please? Yeah, love it. (laughs) Waiting for scat chat. (laughs) Oh, God, let's not. It's waiting to drop. See, look, it just leads itself to everything. It's so Endless content. I know. Oh, my God. So, like, what is coming up next? I know you mentioned your Sydney and Melbourne shows. Tell us a bit more about that and what else you've got coming up. So I'm going to be at Sydney Fringe Festival, the Darling Quarter at Hello Darling, which is a new section that they've created. So the 27th and 28th of September is the premiere of Just the Tip. So thank you, Jackson. It is not a story about drag race. It is a story of basically, like I was saying before, my childhood and some of the memories and how we kind of became who we became, I suppose. And then I'm also doing Melbourne Fringe Festival as well, which is on the 20th and 21st of October. I've got Palmy Drag Fest coming up on the 7th of October. I'm a very busy lady for the rest of the year. But I'm super excited to be doing that. So that's that's what's next. I filmed another TV show, but it's not a, it's a drama. It's a New Zealand drama. So that will come out next year. So look out for that as well. Amazing. And um, yeah, who knows where I'm going yet, babe? I have no idea. Only up and up and up. I'm just holding on to that sheep and just riding it the way through town. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of the KFC on the way. Oh, my God. So look out for Spanky under the nearest bush late on a oh, Saturday oh night. She will be a brown paper bag. She'll be right. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I mean, I could really just chat with you all day, but... You know, I just, I'm so grateful for this time and you're just such a ray of light and so much fun and just oh, thank spreading you. all of that joy and positivity as far and wide and, as you can. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Like I, like I said earlier, I really do hope that I can change the world in some way. And even if it's just with a laugh, you know what I mean? So I really appreciate everybody who has reached out and the love that I get back. So it's only fair to kind of turn it around, reverse it, flip it and reverse it and send it all the way back out. You know what I mean? That's kind of how the world works. But thank you for doing what you do as well. You help a lot of people. And like you're saying, with the kids and stuff, they need people who are role models and people who they can trust and to speak to and people who can help guide them in times where maybe their parents can't. So we appreciate you. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. That's so lovely. I will definitely be coming to see you in October. Please do. I love that. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And I'll be stalking you to find out like where you're having a drink after. I love being stalked. That's how you know you've done this. Yeah. (laughs) That's when you've made it. There are people creeping around the corners looking out for you. I'll be out in the bushes now every time. Every time I hear a fake. I'll be like, oh, Christiana, she's hanging out. Christiana again. <laughs> I love her. Oh, my God. But thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, good luck with everything. And I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. We would love it if you left us a rating for this episode. And catch up with Yana for more inspiration and info on how to get to the stories that tap into your passion on Instagram and Facebook at The Curious Life Podcast. And if you're looking for a fabulous podcast editor or producer, use ours. Julie Reynolds will turn your audio lemons into audio lemonade. Check out audiolemonade.com.au.